Welcome back to Being Eve. I'm your host, Casey Alexis, and today, ladies, I have a very special guest. Her name is Tara K. Ross. As a teen, she discovered how well-written prose can change the trajectory of a person's life. Case in point, her life. She now passes along this wisdom through her work as a school speech language pathologist and mentor with local youth programs. She is also blessed with a ridiculously supportive family that grants her time to create stories that tackle the interplay of faith and mental health. Fade to White is her debut novel soon to be released in May 2020. Tara lives with her husband, two daughters, and rescue fur baby in a field of cookie cutter homes near Toronto, Canada. Ladies, help me welcome Tara. Hey, Tara. Welcome to Being Eve. Hey, Casey. Thank you so yes, much for having I'm me. I'm very excited to have you on the podcast today. I truly believe this conversation is so timely. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having All me. All right. So we're going to jump right in. I've already formally introduced you to the Being Eve audience. So at this time, please give the ladies a brief synopsis of your own story. So I would say as a teenager is where I would start um, because that was a really big period in my life when I had some Mm. really big questions about life and death and what I was supposed to do here. Um, I was searching for a greater purpose just beyond trying to figure out what university I needed to go to and what job I was supposed to have. And I came from a family that were loving and amazing, um, but they Mm. were not Christian. So um, everybody that I knew growing up, um, celebrated Christmas and Easter from a secular standpoint. Um, but they never actually explored why, Mm -hmm. why we did these things. And it was just this question that I'd always had and I needed, um, answers. So I grew up in, um, a very multicultural environment with a very diverse group of friends from faiths Mm. across the world which is so unique and um, one of the really amazing things about growing up in a a culture that was like that is you were free to ask questions and explore um, without uh, judgment or anyone looking at you strangely so uh, I spent some time in my last few years of high school um, asking a lot of questions of friends. Um, so I explored, explored Buddhism and I had a friend who was Sikh and um, a few friends mm. who were Christian and um, a lot of friends who were uh, Muslim as well. And, uh, you know, through a lot of conversations with them, um, I always felt myself being drawn back to Jesus. And I think one of the biggest reasons why that was is I had a lot of fear and I didn't have a name for that fear yet. I didn't have a diagnosis or anything that um, gave me a right Mm. to have that fear in the sense of, you know, a traumatic experience or something in my life that would indicate that I should be a fearful person. But I was, I was so afraid of everyday life in a lot of ways. Um, And Again, I didn't realize that that was anxiety, so something I've always struggled with. I didn't realize that was what it was until much later on in life. Um, but through that um, sense of fear, I think God was really drawing me to him. 
and um, those experiences of, you know, the everyday going to school, not knowing what was going to happen, I think were almost God's way of saying, come to me. I'm going to help you work through that. I've got an answer for you. So that was my starting mm. point. Um, through that, I then went on to explore um, who Jesus was a little bit more in, in detail on my own through friends bringing me to church. Right. Um, I had a really cool experience with um, a complete stranger um, who I met at a concert and said, hey, are you a Christian? And I was like, well, I celebrate Christmas. Mm. Does that count? <laughs> um, and he really asked me some good questions about not quite and invited me out to a church community. Um, uh, and through that that first experience on my own without um, anybody else kind of encouraging me, I really took those steps of faith and said, you know, this is, this is truth. And I, I need to explore wow. this for um, more than just the, the fears that I'm having, but for answering all those big life questions. Um, yeah. So from there, I ended up attending a church that it was called the Meeting mm -hmm. House. Um, it's a fantastic church in the greater Toronto area, which is where I'm from. And um, I met my husband through there, um, became baptized through there, and have gone on to um, volunteer and serve within youth ministries um, up until today, um, knowing how important having those members of uh, the community, teenagers who were open to exploring and talking about their faith with other kids the same age as them, realizing how important that was for my own journey. So I really wanted to give back in that, that place. Wow. That's just the starting point. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so neat how God uses um, those, again, those life experiences and the time in your life to sort of create these um, passions. And so I would say that's one of the passions that he put on my heart was um, serving and um, ministering and mentoring youth because that was that critical stage in my own walk. Right, right. Um, so that was really important for me. So it pretty yeah, much came around full circle. It really yeah. did, yeah. Which is so neat how, how God used that. And again, now that I'm volunteering with youth, I've taken this um, piece around mental health as well as being something I really want to communicate mm. because it wasn't until I was a new mother when Ooh, I was speak on yeah. it. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so this is the thing. When you are a young adult without attachments, you have a sense of control and you don't feel as needed to rely on God. At least I didn't. I felt like, you know what, I can manage a lot of my life. I believe in Jesus. I follow him. I'm I'm gonna be a good person. Um I want to serve and, and live my life modeling after him. But I still held control over a lot of what was happening in my life. Right. Um, I hadn't given that up to him yet. And then this little person came along. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I suddenly lost all sense of control. I couldn't, I couldn't tell her when to stop crying. I couldn't tell her when to sleep. I couldn't um, have control over what my day would look like mm -hmm. anymore. And I fell into significant postpartum anxiety. Um, I thankfully have an amazing um, Christian physician who partnered with me through that, recognized what it was for what it was. Um, and uh -huh. my training, um, I went to school for health sciences. Mm -hmm. So 
I knew, <laughs> I knew I was in this place of um, irrational fear and, and that my body was working against me. And that Ooh, I was... So I'm going to have to stop you right there. Yeah. Um, because uh, this is so good. <laughs> and I want you to define that for ladies that may not know what irrational fear is. Is. Yeah, sure. Um, I wish I could have my husband chime in because he was the one who really, really drew this out for me. Mm. And ironically, I'll get to this as well. Yeah, drew it out of me right now during what we're going through right Ooh. now with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but irrational fear, um, when you think about stress, um, everybody experiences stress and your body reacts for a period of time with heightened awareness and a little bit of stress is good. Um, And same with anxiety. If you have a moment of anxiety in a fearful situation that is appropriate, Mm -hmm. such as a global pandemic, (laughs) then that's, that's an appropriate response for your body. The issue becomes when that sense of fear never goes away and it becomes all-encompassing. So it extends beyond just one situation and takes over all aspects of your life. Mm. And that's when your thinking then becomes clouded. You have this sort of irrational way of viewing the world because everything is clouded by this fear now. And you're no longer able to take a situation and separate it from one another and react and respond within that moment based on just that emotion. Um, That's at least what I've experienced. So for me, um, that irrational fear when I was going through postpartum anxiety looked like not being able to leave the house because my baby might cry in public and that crying Mm -hmm. in public might mean that someone will judge me. And that judgment is then going to go fall upon me being a good mother. And me being a good mother is something I will never be able to be now because emotionally I'm a wreck. And then I can't sleep because I know I'm an emotional wreck. And then I can't eat well because I never feel well. And so it cycles. And then the next day you feel worse because now you haven't slept well and eaten well and you feel horrible for not taking care of your body. Right, right. (laughs) And yeah, and your thoughts just become piled upon one another and you're never able to get a breath. And again, for me in those moments, um, it it needed to be a um, a holistic approach to responding to that fear. So yes, I needed to have my physician monitor what I was eating and how I was sleeping and taking care of my overall physical health. Right. But I also needed that sense of community. I needed counseling, a group counseling group where I could share what I was experiencing with um, other women, like such as a podcast like this. It it allows you to come in community and realize you're not alone within those fears. Right. But I also needed um, the spiritual side of that as well. I think that the biopsychosocial model is something that we often hear about, that, you know, you need to be considered your your biological state, um, your social, and then the psychological headspace you're in. So that's why Mm -hmm. the counseling piece is really important as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's the spiritual component that I think we also really need. Absolutely. Um, And for me, um, when I was in that most irrational state, I needed 
to get that thought out. And one of the ways I did that was through writing and I would journal and I would write and I would talk to God through that writing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, that brought me so much closer to him and becoming aware of the moments in my day where I actually could have clarity, the times where I'd slowed down enough to say, hey, God, can you hear me right now? Is this you? Or is this Satan attacking me right now? Right. Because right. I, I need clarity about this. And man, did he ever respond. So yeah, it was a huge part for me in, in that journey. I'm so happy you shared that because so often as women of faith, we go through this struggle of anxiety silently because um, oftentimes you hear people just say, pray, right? Pray it yeah. away, pray it away. But you just didn't pray it away. You also use the health sciences. You also yep. use connection with your physician. You also use yep. um, the different gifts that God has placed in other people to help support you through this certain time period of your life. So thank you so much for sharing that because a lot of us struggle with the faith aspect of it, but also using techniques and different things that God has placed inside of other people in order to gift us through the process of healing. I appreciate you sharing that. So with anxiety being such a key component to everything we're seeing now in the world Mm -hmm. and also seeing um, just an everyday life without this whole pandemic, a lot of us as women struggle through anxiety. And you talk about writing being one of those ways that helped you communicate with God. What are some other techniques that you can provide to some of the ladies that are listening to help us realize that stress has to go somewhere? Keeping it bottled up just makes it impact our bodies. What other Mm -hmm. ways um, can uh, help us and assist us during this time to get the anxiety going out of us through a more healthy way? For sure. The things I would make huge priorities is um, making sure that you're filling yourself with encouraging words um, from the Bible and Mm -hmm. from, if you're doing a devotional book, like reminding yourself of those truths. There's the Psalms is a beautiful Mm. (laughs) place to go for me. Um, I think it's uh, Psalm 5. There's a verse where David is talking about how he is struggling because he is being pursued by his enemies. Right. Um, I believe that he um, has basically been chased out and he's in a land that where he feels like he knows nobody um, and he's completely on his own and he comes to God in that moment. And I think there's something important about being able to recognize what parts of our lives we have control over. So what aspects of stress and anxiety we can control and there's many that we can. So um, in the interesting thing about being in a pandemic situation is there are things that we are in control of right. that I think is really important for us to remember instead of um, taking everything that's happening around us and taking it all on ourselves. So I can be in control of my own health right now. I can make sure that I am um, drinking lots, that I'm eating healthy, that I'm washing my hands, that right. I'm social distancing. Right. Those are things in my control and I'm very able able to do that. But can I have control over how many cases are in my community right now? Right. No, I can't. And and 
sometimes I feel like if we watch and we take in that every 10 minutes of the news feeds, um, it almost feeds that fear and anxiety. Right. Um, and I think that it's really important for us to take a break from um, what the highlights in the world are mm-hmm. and then be grounded in the truth that we also are aware of. And knowing that God in every situation is walking with us. And no matter what we might be experiencing in this world, like in Psalm 23, um, we might be walking through a dark, dark valley, but he is traveling right alongside us through that. Um, And so no matter what Satan might be throwing into this world, we have that truth to rest on and to know that through that, we need to find moments of love Mm -hmm. and moments of encouragement for those around us and moments of gratitude. A really important practice that I have found, not just now, but in general for dealing with one of the repeated anxiety things I have is I worry all the time about what people think of me and what what I'm putting out into the world. And (laughs) um, we all (laughs) right. And every time I have a failure, I feel like I dwell on that failure. Whereas I think God is always wanting us to point towards the blessings and the encouragements and the moments of gratitude. Yes. Um, So keeping a gratitude journal is something that I do. And you can do that in whatever way works for you. I write one small sentence a day. Um, And so it might be something very small in my day that nobody else would ever notice. But I need to remember that Mm -hmm. despite whatever else might happen that day that I have this one blessing. Like, for instance, my grocery list, I found peanut butter I can order. (laughs) And that is a huge blessing for our family that loves peanut butter. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. So, yeah, I would say, you know, keeping a piece in your own health, because your own health really does impact your your amount of sleep you're getting, what you're eating, Mm -hmm. your physical activity really affects your mental health. Um, Taking moments to be quiet with God making sure that you are spending time to slow down, take this self-isolation and use it to be with God in those moments, um, to pause within his presence um, and then find gratitude moments too. So find the blessings in your day, um, really rest on those um, and, you know, use those to anchor yourself throughout the day. Mm. Good stuff. Good stuff, Tara, because I know for a fact, and those things have been benefits to me as well during yeah. this time and this season. And so, ladies, I hope that you have jotted those things down and remember them and keep them and begin to put those things into practice. Um, my next question for you, Tara, is you talked a bit about uh, how motherhood changed you, right? Because you realized you you don't have as much as control as you once did. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and all of us as mothers can attest to that because it's so true. Like you yeah. really do not have any more, you rely on God much more now um, yeah. when you have this little being. Oh, for sure. Than when you didn't have them, right? It always reminds me of that scripture where, ta- where Paul talks about um, through the birth of childbearing that women would be saved. And I understand it before I didn't, but the more and more I start talking to women on this podcast, I realize why that verse makes so much sense. Because we yeah. do have a heightened awareness now that we have this whole being 
that we have to take care of. And granted, right. um, thankfully, hopefully, most of us don't have to do it alone. But for those that do, and of course, even being a mom with a spouse, there you do still have that responsibility to play your part, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in ensuring that you're raising this this being to be a God-fearing, good person who loves God and allows the Lord just to use them as a vessel and as, as a tool in this world to bring goodness and light into this world. And you take this responsibility and knowing that, okay, they're watching me. So um, yeah. I must be the best version of myself yeah. <laughs> to not have them sitting on someone's couch one day, you know, it's just like, <laughs> right. No, I hear you. <laughs> Let's talk about it. So how did parenting change you? How did it change you from the Tara you once was into the Tara you now are? You know what? That is a, a great question because I think I've even changed over the course of my parenting from mm-hmm. when That's my so first true. child was born <laughs> until this moment today when they're both outside screaming on the trampoline. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, I'd say eight years ago, I never would have allowed that to happen. Mm, that's so true. <laughs> um, I think the first thing that I learned, um, I touched on this earlier, was that as much as I want to be their everything and their role model and to give them the best, I can't. Right. And I'm going to kill myself trying. Right. And I, I, again, the anxiety piece was so brutal for me that I needed to cut myself off from a lot of the relationships that I'd previously had because I couldn't handle the mom guilt. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. And that was, that was partially my fault. Like, you know, if I were stronger in who I was in my faith at that point, right. I could have been okay with those conversations. But I needed to be perfect and I needed to get everything right and I needed to be you know, not making any mistakes with these little people. Mm. And I think the first thing that I really learned was that it's okay to make mistakes and mm. they need to see me making That's mistakes. So true. Um, and, you know, interestingly enough, my first daughter, she's a bit of a perfectionist. And I, I, I honestly take some of that to be myself <laughs> to blame because I'm a perfectionist. I realized, you know, I'm pushing this on her. She thinks she needs to be always perfect in what mm. she does and I'm like now my husband and I are very um laissez-faire meaning that we're very loose in our expectations right. over even in school right right um in how she dresses in um what her room looks like mm. it used to always be very high expectations of you know you need to always look a certain way act a certain way do well in all aspects that you do and now we're like you know what God didn't use perfect people. No, he, didn't. he used very broken people to do his work. Mm. And I need to be okay with who you are as children. Mm. And that, you know, you're going to learn the lessons of Jesus better through an imperfect model who is willing to admit when I make mistakes so true. and who is willing to move forward and come to you and apologize. Um, mm. My kids love it when I mess up. <laughs> Because they're like, oh, she's human. Okay. (laughs) And they love it when I come and I say, you know what? I'm sorry. I 
was not a very kind mom right. in that moment. Right. Um, I lost my cool. I was not slow to anger. And um, I need you to, to realize that I'm sorry about that. And um, in the future, I'm going to try. I'm going to try hard. I'll, I'll probably make a mistake again, but um, will you forgive me hmm. and let me try again? And um, that humbling experience with them has been so good. Um, it has really changed how I interact with everyone, right. not just my own children. Right. Um, the other thing that I really learned that I think is very important for all moms is that we are a mom, but we are so much more. Yes. And Just when it started getting good, here we are with the break. Ladies, we'll be right back after this quick message. I think sometimes we get wrapped up in that one identity and we forget who we were before we were moms. That's true. And that's so hard too. But that was one of the things that um, I should have shared earlier on about um, sort of that healthy piece around anxiety. Yeah. One of the things that was suggested to me was to make sure that I find things that bring me joy outside of being a mom. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's writing. And so I needed to find a new passion that worked well within my life of being a mom. Like before being a mom, I loved doing community theater and acting. Right. But that wasn't sustainable with little people in the home. Right. I couldn't, I couldn't get away from them that much. So I needed to find something that I could still love and be passionate about while at home or while within a different schedule. Um, and I think that is so important for every mom. Uh, for every woman, mm -hmm. I think that whether you feel like your job is overwhelming you or um, if your job is being mom and that's overwhelming you, you need to have a piece of yourself where you can either be creative or might be an athletic area. Right. Um, but something that feeds you, allows you to express your your creative side and who you were outside of that one role. Um, and again, if it's God honoring, that's so much better. Right. Because then you are serving in a different capacity than just serving as being that um, discipler for your children, which again is, is a huge and important role. But again, it's nice to be able to serve in another area of your life as well. And that way you're not feeling um, like if you mess up <laughs> within that one aspect, that there's not something else in your life that you, you have had in that day that has been a moment of encouragement or a moment of success. So that thank you for sharing that because as moms we can get caught up in that role in wearing that hat all day long especially when you are a mom of small children mm -hmm. um sometimes it's just so difficult to find that time and yeah. one of the things that God has been showing me through the season is that now you have the time before mm. with all the running and um, and just life in general being busy. Now everyone has had to slow down. You have yeah. that time. Let's take that time for granted and use it to now to begin to sow those seeds that we haven't necessarily had the quote unquote time to sow yeah. before and use it to our advantage. Um, especially when we have those quiet moments where our kids are not around, where we can literally mm -hmm. begin to feed ourselves and stimulate yeah. our 
passions and the things that he placed in us before sure. they were here, right? Um, those yeah. things are still alive and well, ladies. Um, those things that yeah. he placed inside of you before you are even in your mother's wombs, those things are still there. And we have the time now to begin to water them and to nurture them and to do all the good things to stimulate those things back and to bring them back to life. Even if we just bring them back to life in small ways, right, to begin with. But yeah. eventually the kids are going to grow up. And they're going to have their own life, you know, and you need to be able to know who you are through the process of just being raising them. Because when they yeah. grow old, you're going to be stuck with yourself. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it's healthy for our kids, too, oh my goodness, to see so that, right, that that you have things in your life that are important beyond just being a mom. Um, I work with a lot of kids who have difficulties in my day job with um, social thinking. Mm. And so they have a really hard time with understanding the perspective of others. And this is one of the, the key things that I really work with them on is this idea of understanding that each person in their lives has their own dreams and aspirations right. and thoughts and priorities and they don't always match with yours. Right. And even as children, that's the root of empathy. That's the root of understanding that somebody else will feel a different way in a particular situation. And we need to understand how to respond knowing that somebody's going to think differently than right. ourselves. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a really big thing that we're trying to instill with our children is this idea of, Yes, I love playing with you all day long, but mommy and daddy also have other things that are in our minds right now and really worrying us. Right, right. <laughs> um, and so we need to have quiet time with God. We just had this conversation this morning because it is Sunday. And so we were listening into our church from home and my kids had zero interest because <laughs> they're usually in Sunday school. Right. Um, and so we really had to share with them. I know this isn't feeding you the same way Sunday school would. Mm. But for us right now, like mommy and daddy really need this time. Like this is really feeding us. And so if you don't want to listen, that's okay. But you can't distract us. <laughs> that is so true. And I did have to have one of those come to Jesus moments with my kids as well, with my two girls, mm -hmm. because they they do have those moments where they think that you're just mom all day long. Yeah. And yeah. I had to, you know, really look at them and say, you know, you guys really have to understand mom in this moment that mommy just needs one moment. Give me a yes. moment, I will be <laughs> right back. And it's so true. It does it does teach them how yeah. to be more empathetic. That is so For true. Sure. That is yeah. so true. What you just stated leads me to my next question in regards to teens, right? Because you mm -hmm. talked about your story and, and the time where you were a teenager and you had all these questions about life and death. And we have moms tuning in right now, or even women who aren't moms per se, but are responsible for teenagers or who are teachers um, mm -hmm. teaching teens. What kind of advice can you give to women who are involved with teens, who are raising teens, who may be having these deep questions or who may be struggling with their faith, like their parents may be Christian and they may just be searching God for themselves? Um, well, for me, the first thing that I want to do is I want to make sure that I have a healthy relationship with whatever teen I'm interacting mm. with. So if that's your own kid, then then you really need to spend some time 
hanging out with them and listening. <laughs> as right. hard as that is as parents, a lot of time they just want somebody to be there. Um, and so if you're in a more of a, a ministry role or if you're teaching, there is something to be said about just asking open-ended questions. Tell me about your weekend. Tell me what you're thinking about for like next year or like you make even smaller. Like, what are you thinking about COVID-19 right now? Mm, right. <laughs> like just meet them where they're at. And when they start talking, try not to cut them off. Try not to find solutions Try to just be with them in those moments um, because a lot of times you might be surprised where they're thinking and what they're thinking about. And it might be very different from what they portray on the outside. Right. Um, some teens are really, really good at putting on a fake front. Yeah. Um, they appear really put together. They appear really confident. But, you know, if you ask them, you know, how are you feeling about your self-esteem like you could just ask them something broad like that and I bet you you'd be really surprised um one of the things I found from working with a lot of of youth is um one-on-one they'll share a lot more than they would necessarily in a small group or in class so I think mentorship in a one-on-one setting is so important Mm. if you have um one person, like either it's your own child or somebody in your family or um, a particular student or youth who you feel is really struggling, um, setting up those, I would normally say coffee dates. Right. <laughs> but right now, even just Skyping with them, mm. um, I think is so key um, because this generation, um, I wrote an article within a Canadian uh, magazine called love is moving um and i did some research about sort of our our youth moving on to young adults so when they're graduating from high school to university and this is the generation that is leaving the church in droves and it's not because of the style of worship or the message being shared um they're just having huge life changes and within these life changes if they don't have a contact person who is saying, hey, how are you doing this week? Um, They might not have the draw to continue with their usual patterns because they now are being exposed to all these different relationships. And if those relationships do not include someone who is drawing them back to Jesus, they're not going to see that as a priority. Right. Um, They're going to be in that stage of life that I was in where I can control everything. Why do I need Jesus right now? My life's pretty awesome. (laughs) So I think that the is a really critical phase for us as women, no matter what age you are, to really think about how can I build into a younger woman right now? Oh, yes. And what part of my life do I have to share? It can be your brokenness. Like, man, wouldn't it be awesome if somebody who's further along was able to say, yeah, I messed up even more than you have. Don't you worry. Like, <laughs> we're going to make oh, this man. through together. Right. Right? Like, that would just be so much of a relief. Um, and wouldn't it be amazing for someone who is struggling with their faith to have an, another woman say, yep, I've been there. That is completely legitimate. Like, you're allowed to have those questions. God is not going to abandon you right now because you are questioning why this is happening in the world. And I think that as women, if we 
go into those relationships by saying, yeah, I don't have all the answers either, but I'm willing to journey with you. I'm willing to journey with you through that. Um, And hopefully in, in friendship and in relationship and knowing that God is journeying with us, we'll find some answers. I love that. So for me, what I gather through everything that you're saying is that our teens are requiring us to get out of the church pews and our be- yes. and really requiring us to be <laughs> <laughs> to be the church, right? To you betcha. Them and to touch them yeah. and to have yeah. relationships with them and to talk with them. For sure. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and Jesus gave us that model. Yes, when we look did. at his life, he spoke in front of big crowds for a very small portion of his life. That is so the majority true. of that was spent in with his 12 and then even more so with one or two. And he really poured into those relationships because he wanted to build them up in a way that he knew they would continue after he was gone. And I think we have the model through Jesus of what we should be doing. And we are called to make disciples. So we need to do that. And um, I think we can do it within our own generation for sure. But I think that this um, cross-generational model is is given to us in the Bible as well. Um, And I think that we're really encouraged to look at those who are one step behind us right. and help them within that path. I love that. I love that. And um, it's so true. Looking back at the times where I have had to volunteer at youth conferences and at one youth conference that I went to in particular with my church, um, they had these, the kids do an exercise. I mean, this, this is a stadium now of about like 10,000 kids in it. And they turned off all the lights and they will call out certain things. Like raise mm-hmm. your light, shine your light, which they use their cell phones if mm-hmm. you're battling with depression. The oh, whole wow. stadium lit up. Um, yeah. If you're battling with suicidal thoughts, the whole stadium lit up. And I'm like, yeah. what? Yeah. These are our babies. Like what, yeah. what, what are they going through to the point where they feel yeah. that life is not worth living? Yeah. And it's, it's so true. And this is the thing that's really scary oh. is, as much as we're in a global pandemic right now, we have been in right. an epidemic when it comes to our youth's mental health. Mm. And we'll, this is not going to make it any better. I think the social isolation is going to be particularly hard for teens who are now going to be driven right. more to social media, which we know is not the best outlet when it comes to um, creating strong encouraging relationships and good self-esteem and and yeah like I really worry my heart is praying for our youth in particular as much as they might be getting a bad rap for their you know flagrant disregard for social distancing in some situations we don't know the story behind them and Right, right I don't think this is a time when we should be judging I think that this is a time when we should be loving them in their brokenness and their failures and realizing they are grieving right now too. Like I know youth, they're not having their senior prom this year. And for them, that is their world. And Mm -hmm. my heart goes out to them because I know that's going to have an impact on their mental health. And I know that there is so much more to this than, than that one population. 
But I think that each of us is grieving in different ways right now and um, recognizing that our grief is no lesser or more depending on our own perspective. Mm, That is so true. And I thank you so much for saying that, you know, recognizing and understanding um, the grief and um, not being judgmental, because I think a lot of ways the older generations are like, what do they got to be depressed about? They got everything. So the next question your writing, Fade to White, is coming out in May. Tell us about Fade to White. Mm-hmm. What can we look forward to picking up this amazing book? Thank you for asking. Timing. <laughs> Releasing um, a young adult novel that explores the interplay of faith and mental health during um, this current yes, situation. Absolutely, um, but I think that's God. Sure. God's perfect timing for sure. Um, yeah, so this novel... Um, I began writing it Mm. when I was dealing with my own anxiety um, as a new mom. As I said, that was my creative outlet. And I kept coming back to those high school years and wanted to explore those big questions that I had had and then integrate them and weave them into the stories of Mm -hmm. the youth that I've worked with over the last 10 years within um, youth drop-in centers Mm -hmm. and in youth ministry, as well as with my day job. And so, because of all those experiences, um, this story really came together. And so it's a, a story that looks at one teenage girl. Her name is Thea. And Thea mm. looks like she's got this perfect life from the outside. But inside she's falling right. apart, which is what I think a lot of us are dealing with. Um, and so she's got a lot of anxiety. And she doesn't really know how to deal with that. And she doesn't have anyone that she feels she can talk to. So she resorts to self-harm. Um, by pulling her hair out, literally. Um, And so this is a condition that some people will Mm. get, and I do have um, friends who deal with it. Um, And so in the story, it starts with um, a local teen who has committed suicide, and Thea learns about this through her newspaper. And from reading this story, she enters into this new state of panic attacks. Uh, Unexplainable things begin to happen, Mm. and the lines between her reality and another world start to blur. And her previously mundane issues just seem insurmountable now. And so she's now in this battle for her life and she doesn't know what's happening. Um, And then she meets, she meets someone because, you know, every teen novel needs a mysterious new boy. (laughs) Um, So she meets someone named Kai, um, which his name actually came from a local Mm. church in our community. So that's kind of an interesting tidbit that not most people would know. Um, (laughs) And see, he seems to know what's going on and he doesn't think she's crazy. And so through this sort of unconventional friendship, he's able to journey with her through her grief. Um, She's lost her grandmother recently. And that's what's really Mm. charged her questions about life and dying through her fears. She's got um, generalized anxiety and social anxiety and and why she can't um, interact with people like everyone else does and then the confusion that is building in her um, within her own life her own family unit is becoming unstable Mm -hmm. as her parents Mm -hmm. are dealing with um, marital conflicts themselves Um, so he journeys with her through all of this um, and she comes to a place where she's able to love I love it I love it thank you Yes, so it's being published through Illuminate YA on May 30th of this year, so really soon. Um, Yeah, and it's, um, I'm so excited about it. 
I honestly, I feel like teams, like their input is Absolutely. almost as important as some of the amazing authors who've already read it. Um, but yeah, it's really keeping things in perspective for me. Right. I said, you know what, I want to write this so somebody else doesn't feel alone within their mental health battle. And now I feel like I need to keep that, be reminded of that because it's, you know, it's a hard situation for anybody right now. But, you know, as a, a debut author, it's really tricky too because right. I don't know whether my book will come out on time or um, people will be able to actually pick up physical copies. Like we have no idea about what the world will look like in a month. Um, and I'm praying that we'll be in a better place. But I'm right. so reminded of this original piece for why I started. God needed me to have a creative outlet. He wanted me to use my passions in a way that would serve his kingdom. And I really mm. feel like this book has done all of that for me. In your one of your responses, you stated, sometimes we take a path in life that is safe, reliable, and steady. In this current season of our lives, right? Safe, reliable is like not really an option anymore. So based upon your own story, what helps can you provide to the ladies right now who are listening that are feeling anxious and then trying to navigate their lives in this season of mm -hmm. uncertainty? Yeah. Again, there's so much you have to worry about on any given day. And you could mm -hmm. spend your entire day wasting energy on that worry. And for me, it mm -hmm. really comes down to taking each day as it comes, looking for those small moments of gratitude, looking for the blessings God gives us each day and focusing on those rather than the future. Right. Um, because it is not our future to decide. <laughs> and God is going to use whatever situation we are put in to help us grow. And it might not be in the way that we want or intended, Um like, again, I never would have wanted to experience um, postpartum anxiety right. and the anxiety that I had through high school and the anxiety that I have now, but it has given me so many opportunities to speak to others um, and hopefully offer encouragement. So I would say, you know, use whatever moment you're in and try to find how God is speaking to you in those moments and what he's saying he wants from you in that place. And sometimes it might just be to rest. And sometimes it might just be to forgive yourself. <laughs> and sometimes it might right, be to right. get off your behind and go do something. <laughs> and I think if we are able to quiet ourselves long enough to listen for that small voice, that he will give us the mm. plan for our future. So every guest that I have on the podcast, the same exact question so as you know, the figurehead of this podcast is Eve of the Bible, which was the first woman to walk the face of the planet. So tell me one thing mm -hmm. that you found in common with Eve's story. Eve was very curious and her curiosity mm -hmm. obviously um, led her into temptation. And I think as much as I'd like to believe that I'm someone who would never mm -hmm. Um, be led into temptation. I know I am. I'm someone who does let right, Satan right. lies kind of play into my life every once in a while. Um, but I also know that God created me and he's going to use me for amazing things despite um, my ability to be persuaded at times um, by the ways of this world. Like he's going to use me despite my brokenness, despite the mistakes I might make. Um, and that is such 
an amazing um, reminder in Eve in knowing that we can move forward in life after we make mistakes. A great response because so often we forget that Eve was still, in fact, the mother of all things living. Even after the fall, God still gave her the blessing of being able to create and um, being a vessel to bring life into the world. So yes, yes, yes. Yay. Good answer. Thank you so much for blessing the Being Eve audience today. I was truly blessed by everything that you shared. And it was such an amazing conversation. Now, please tell the ladies where they can find you. For sure. So mm-hmm. the easiest way to be to connect with me would be to go to my website because then everything's there. That's www.terrakross.com. I blog and I have a podcast for Christian YA books called Hope Pros that streams through that as well. So that would be the best place. And make sure to tell Tara that Being Eve sent you. Tara, thank you so much. Thank Thank you you so so much much for having me. This was so much fun. Well, ladies, thank you for tuning in. I hope this episode blessed you as much as it did me. Before we depart, a quick reminder to head on over to the show notes where you will find all the info to keep in contact with Being Eve and to learn more about our guests. Make sure to let them know Being Eve sent you. Last but certainly not least, ladies, don't forget to review, share, and subscribe. This is your opportunity to let the whole world know where we gather for absolutely free. As always, ladies, please continue to love, live, and thrive without losing the authentic you.